When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, no, if I had to push a button and one was poor people fight in the arena and one is all people fight in the arena, it's the same kids. I'm I push the all. Podcast number. Who cares? Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Great. You see what Elon did? Yeah. Elon's a mean <laughs> lord. He dropped the Tesla price to sixty nine thousand four hundred and twenty. He officially... God bless him. Yeah. I bet you he sells more because of it. Oh, for sure. Some people are just like, I can't wait. He is the king of memes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to hop into some some scarier stuff than memes. So my brother booted up the PlayStation and, and saw... Do you see the, the update? No. They are now recording chats. So you know how we'll play Apex and we talk to one another? Oh, shit. I don't know if it's just private, but absolutely with public chats, when you're paired into a video game, so one of the things... For those of you who don't know, when you play online today, which is most of the most popular video games are online, you have a headset and it's very common to talk. And what's also very common is to talk shit on people and to scream and curse yeah. and say mean stuff. Uh, what they are doing is now recording it and they say it is only for your community safety, only for the protection of uh, you can't hear bad words and That's that sort of terrifying. stuff. It's terrifying. I for first of all, <laughs> I in no way believe that that will only record public. Of that course. if we make a party of yeah. friends, that they won't record it. I don't buy that, even if they say so. Yeah, me, me too. But uh, so, so I took that. It's it's terrifying. One of the things those of you who don't play video games don't realize is this is where you get people at their most tilted like mm -hmm. imagine if you were on the highway doing 100 miles an hour and somebody cut you off that's the type of things that people say <laughs> in these video games regularly well, it's also, and also there's the shield of anonymity just like there is with road rage also in between in between games it's like you hanging out with your friends like imagine hanging out having a drink with your friends yes in your house in the privacy of your home but your house has been bugged yes and then imagine all the things you say by the way people play video games all the time, multiple mm -hmm. times a week. So imagine every conversation you've had in the last year was recorded where you were hanging out with your buddies yep. when no one else was around. Yeah. Like everyone's political career is over, basically. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, so in 20 years, politics is going to be fucking crazy because it's just going to be constantly leaked audios. Yes. This is immediately where my mind went, which is death of privacy. Uh, they, we've been bugged with Amazon Echo. We've been bugged with yeah. our phones. We've been bugged with this. And People, we talked about Donald Sterling in the past. No one cared that he was not aware of the recording that his girlfriend made of him. For those of you who don't remember, Donald Sterling was the owner of the Clippers. His girlfriend recorded him saying some things about black people. He had to sell the Clippers like in a fire sale, basically. Uh, if you and, want a funny perspective on it, check Google Bill Burr, Donald <laughs> Sterling. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, nobody cared that that was a leaked audio people do not care about the provenance of some of these things and it's very yeah. important because what it means is if you can leak a political opponent's thing or somebody who's going for a job or this mm -hmm. you control the world and it just made me realize that these tech companies are essentially going to be able to wield the mob against anyone they want oh yeah 
And I don't think people realize, especially, or at least in Twitter or the comments, they don't realize the awful shit that they say in the privacy of their own homes. Or, or otherwise, I've never met people that are so Puritan as, I don't know as the commenters. I don't know anyone. Man, woman, <laughs> yeah. child, everyone I know has at some point said something that taken out of context and played for the masses would sound awful. Yes. And I think that we are uh, there hurtling towards this world where everything that you've ever said is bugged, recorded, et cetera. And what it, it, it also made me think like we live in this strange society where I feel like repression on a societal level is getting higher and higher and higher because we care more and more about what you say mm. than about how you feel and what's going on inside. How so you like, act, what your intent is. So like we might eradicate use of the N-word in America and make zero dent into racism. No, I think that's like- you, What you do is you hide it. And then people were yes. so shocked when the transition from Obama to Trump came because- who knew these people were still out there? And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're out there. They're hanging out. They're just not in your face anymore because they don't want to get the backlash. And I I think like, oh, people are like, oh, no, just drown it out. It's That's not how repression works. Things that get stuffed down, kind of like a pot with a lid, yeah, yeah. boil over, get more intense. Well, it's also not how you how you fix the issue. Like the way you fix the issue is you, like that black reporter that went, hung out with the leader of the KKK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you solve things. Like it's it's overt. It's a dialogue. It's contentious. It's mm -hmm. uncomfortable at times. That guy did not enjoy his first time meeting the leader of the KKK. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If instead the KKK members all had to like hide and go underground, then there would be no opportunity for the black reporter to go meet with them. Mm -hmm. So you can't change their minds because you'll never find them. They're hidden <laughs> enclaves. Yeah. So you actually, I think, make sure that racism cannot be solved mm -hmm. if you make sure that you cannot identify who's racist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100% or anything. I mean, the this this one article just got me thinking so much about like what I perceive as a sickness in our society, which is this inability to per, every myself included. I see so many people concerned with what it is they need to say or perform or mm -hmm. post, and there is, seems to be so little concern for doing the right thing mm -hmm. independent of an audience it's always like trying and i sense i sense this uh, instinct in myself and i often try to counter it but it how will this be perceived mm -hmm. as opposed to what is the impact of the way that i'm treating other people and can i find a way to care genuinely about that independent of the reporting on yeah, whatever yeah. it is that no, i said you end up with like performative good samaritans mm -hmm. which is to say like i i have a friend who donates a lot of money to mental health psychedelic stuff. Mm -hmm. Never posts about it on Instagram. No one knows about it. It's not a hot button thing that gets him mm -hmm. goodwill. He just does it. It helps the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's so many other people who are just out there in your face screaming about how they are moral, who do nothing to actually make the world better besides share things on their Instagram. Yeah. Well, and it seems uh, I understand it because I feel it in myself is like there is a palpable sense that that it, this is not news to anybody that if you are in a public space and there's a target on you which is for most people in public space and you say or do the wrong thing and by the way that the, the wrong thing is a moving target which shifts through time though your past is increasingly etched in stone yeah uh the mob will turn against you now what's interesting is that it doesn't yet have legal force behind it it has only social force mm -hmm. so what it means is that you screen out of public positions everybody who isn't donald trump Everybody who isn't used to having newspapers destroy them, tear them apart, hate them and rip them a new one yeah. does not want to be in, in those sorts of situations. Yeah, yeah. So you're left only with 
the Donald Trumps of the world who want to be president no, at this funny. point. Because yeah, at one point it was like, oh, I would never want to be president. It's so stressful. Yes. You know what I mean? You're like, you never sleep. You see them all age tremendously. Yeah. But there wasn't a sense that it was going to come at the cost of airing all your dirty laundry, painting you in a worse light than you deserve. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It wasn't that, that wasn't my sense, at least growing up. It's just mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a hard job. You got to want to change the world to the degree that you're willing to take years off your life. Yeah. Now you have to be willing to take years off your life and deal with a huge shitstorm coming yeah. your way for your family. If you have kids, they're going to catch it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's your point just makes it so that, I mean, you see two 80 year old people are running for office. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> no, for, no charismatic 50 year old threw their hat in the ring. Not this year. And I don't know when the next time will be. This is something that's tangentially related. I'm not sure if it's significant, but I was listening to Cardi B. Apparently she posted her boobs on Instagram whoops mm. you know big mistake um but her oh, response no, to it media yeah coverage. yeah, yeah. No. poor cardi uh but the response that she said was something oh my gosh i'm so retarded and i was like hmm right now already i would say that word is one that uh some percentage of america can be canceled for saying mm -hmm. apparently not cardi b i think cardi b lives in a world where she can do and say things that that uh most Dude, people she cannot came out and said that she would drug people yes. and rob them yes i don't think the r word's gonna get her canceled. exactly exactly so i was also trying to figure out in my head i was like why why here is it because she's in entertainment is it like is politics more stringent than entertainment is it is well, it because she aligns with the political party how how are here's what here's i guess the high level question everybody's capable of being canceled everybody's online everybody's got everything has cancel culture how do we pick has cancel culture hit hip-hop at all not really i mean even chris brown who beat up rihanna beyond recognition uh seems to have been yeah he bounced back He's bounced back yeah yeah uh, clubs releasing new song has justin are we missing anyone in in the hip-hop community who was who has been canceled because of i'll give it a quick google just so we're not talking out of our i asses. mean well i mean you know eminem as it, like the whole homophobia thing which <laughs> which he was basically able to handle with a joke in the interview just by oh, being yeah, like oh, no. he just completely like that that was never heard of again but yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a great way to handle it though so his music i think hip-hop particularly is exempt from uh having said said things that would cancel people in, in a lot of other industries. I don't Is that know. fair to say? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. All right. Well, we don't we don't need to, to Google it right now, but that's that's my sense. I'm just trying to figure out a heuristic. I don't even know what to Google to come up with this. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know in the comments if we're missing one. Yeah. It seems like that that area. And, and also then I go, okay, so what does that mean? Uh, it's almost like the people who get canceled are the ones who... Uh, you're almost better off having a public image more like Dan Bilzerian, which is like, yes, I'm a piece of shit. I go out there, oh, I do sure. all these awful things. And and then right now the heat on Dan Bilzerian is that he's been stealing from uh, Ignite Company, which may or may not be true. But even if it is, it's not upsetting people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. It's no, Chris Delia <laughs> got canceled because he was DMing with a 17-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah. I have to believe there's tons of professional athletes who have done that. Or J.R. Smith. Dan Bilzerian must Smith. have done that. Like, yeah. surely there are other people besides Chris D'Elia who have done this. But. Sure. What's his name? Uh, James Franco. I mean, he was he was mocked for it, but never, I guess, and this was a few years ago, but not canceled for it. He was uh, derided and teased, but it wasn't the end of his career, obviously. No, it, it does It does seem like who you are. I mean, certainly we would say this. Like, who you are is going to adjust what people uh, rake mm -hmm. you over the coals for. You know what I mean? A politician yeah. is going to have a very different set of expectations or things that could cancel him relative to an NBA player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to think on it. I don't have the answer, but I was looking because I, I just Googled like uh, popular people have been me too'd. Um, 
or canceled or whatever. And they definitely fall in particular groups of society. And I don't think it's because comedians, for instance, are more likely to engage in this behavior. I think it's because socially, the I think athletes, quite frankly, based on the stories that you hear, are very likely to have the same degree of skeleton in their closet on a per capita basis as a comedian. rock stars as well. Rock stars as well. But for whatever reason, it's not boiling over, coming up in Mm. the same way. Now, that is truly just, that is a hot take. I haven't sat down and thought about this deeply, but I did notice, I was like, man, there are certain professions that get this harder Mm -hmm. than than other ones. and I and I haven't I haven't noodled my way all the way through it, but it was just an, an observation. Um, do you have anything? I've got I've got a hand. No, it's terrifying. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're listening to everything, dude. That's really weird too. That that's just okay. I guess I, it's because it's through their platform. Yeah, and it's for your well, safety. Well, why? Be- <laughs> so why can't T-Mobile do it? It's through their platform. They why do. Can't Verizon they do, do. Edward Snowden is in Russia because yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> everything is always recorded, and the problem, like we as a society are never going to fight hard enough for it. It's the same thing with TikTok. They're recording everything. Does anyone care? Has anyone not posted? No, it's still valued at a trillion dollars. And so what's going to happen is boiling the frog, it is just going to become commonplace to leak these kinds of things about people. Now, my hope is that, this is, I guess, the only bright side, is that in a world where everyone is guilty, no one is guilty. I was actually just going to say this. So when I was interviewing for jobs, it was early Eras, yeah. early era of Facebook. I remember this. And so you had to take fo- Facebook photos down. The red solo cups. Yeah, yeah. you had to I'd, take them down. I remember. Now, we just don't pretend as a society that people aren't getting blackout drunk in college. Mm-hmm. So if a college applicant applies for a job and you look on their Instagram and you see them playing beer pong at 19, you, that person's not going to lose their job. So at some point, we'll probably just accept that everybody says awful shit in the privacy of their own home. But... It's going to take a time. There's going to be casualties of that. Yes. Well, it's almost, it reminds me a bit of uh, taking an antibiotic. So like the antibiotic in this, in this analogy is the use of private conversation in order to damage someone publicly. If you use it a little bit, it's effective. But as soon as you start overusing it in a population, it, it just doesn't work yeah, yeah. anymore. So hopefully that's, that's uh, what happens. Yeah, so. no, you pointed this out. The biggest thing is that people, for some reason blackout all the times they've said things they wouldn't want public so it's just gonna have to happen to enough people that they go oh i guess we could talk about not guilty of this well it's uh, the some reason which i think is interesting is because if the human brain is not intended to in my opinion uh it it doesn't perceive truth very well Mm -hmm. it perceives advantage very well like Mm -hmm. everything that you're you're not tuning into the room you're tuning into the survival things in the room uh so when you see somebody that is in the metaphorical stocks for something that they did your brain is not going like, let's search for all the ways that I belong there too. <laughs> it's like, let's never find any of those things so that we can put on this facade of just being better than of that. being better than that and anger so we can fit in with the crowd outside of the stocks and not inside. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not it's not a mystery as to why people are always shocked when they hear their own, oh, I can't believe, how, do, how could I possibly have said that? It's like, you say that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30% of your life has lived like that. Yeah. Um, so any this is this is tangentially related. There was we spoke a bit about this this rooster teeth. I don't know a ton about rooster teeth. Yeah. Um, apparently, somebody who works there, his name Ryan Haywood, was uh, sleeping with fans, contacting fans. What is rooster teeth? It's a YouTube. Channel? It's like a YouTube conglomerate. I okay. think I, this could be wrong. I really don't. I really don't know. Um, but he was a personality that was contacting fans, sleeping with fans. Some of them were underage, and I and I just saw this. Sorry, he was sleeping with underage fans? I think, 
the I, so there were many allegations. I didn't read personally any where he slept with an underage fan. I read one where he initially spoke to someone when they were 17 and slept with them when they were 18. And I believe that individual said that she had told him that she was 18 the entire time. Okay. So I don't know the extent of the allegations. There were many, but I don't, for the for the purposes of this commentary, it's not actually the most important piece. Got it. So that we're not going to talk about whether or not he's a good no, guy. No, no, I'm not interested in, okay. in he him. He might be a scumbag. He might be yeah, whatever. Yeah. Totally, not totally not trying to comment on him. What I did see is I was just clicking through some of the Twitters and all, all of the uh, allegations against him. And some of them, one of which was even deleted off of Reddit uh, since then, are basically it's the description of two consensual adults having an affair where this person this in this one example admits to knowing that he have a wife being in a relationship herself all of these other things but uh what is used is as inappropriate is that she really wanted him to like her and he ghosted her afterwards mm -hmm. and People, I think, appropriately in this particular Reddit thread were like, you need to take this down. This is nonsense. <laughs> you know, like this sounds like two people that, you know, you, you got involved with a married man and he didn't stick around. Like, surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were 27 what? years old at the yes? time. <laughs> you were 27 years old at the time. But what is interesting is that we saw this kind of in the Brian Callen is that there can be and there very well may be with Ryan a serious, credible claim of wrongdoing. Mm. But what happens is that there is then a pile on of uh of a litany of things that people cannot possibly go through and check. And what it turns into, just like Brian Callen, is one woman who says, he drugged me and raped me. Yep. And then three other women come forward with allegations that are not as severe. Mm -hmm. But the headline is, four women accuse Brian Callen of misconduct allegations, including drugging and raping. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it gets bundled together. And it's... Uh, no, the media knows it. It's It just is a attempt to make the case look like all four of them have that level of allegation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The and goal their goal is that you don't click and that you just are under the impression that every single weight. person has that same level of awful experience. So this is the same thing in argumentation, which is uh oftentimes when you have a good argument against someone's point, it requires one solid refutation. When you don't, what you will see is that people pile on reason after reason after reason after reason after reason, and that's to hide that none of them are sufficient, and they don't add up to anything sufficient. Well, Not you can saying, also only address one thing at a time. Exactly, right? and it overwhelms the mind. So I, without commenting on Ryan Haywood in particular, what I see is that we've set up, and then I watched his response, which is like, please leave me alone. Um, <laughs> Wait, he apologize? He just <laughs> no, 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 he apologized, <laughs> but he's just like, I need, please leave my family alone, essentially. Oh, and what I realize is that the incentive structure in this right now, which luckily is not legal at this point, but the person accused, like Brian Callen, like whoever, their lawyers are telling them, shut up, shut up, shut up, say nothing, deny nothing. And because uh, you can only hurt yourself. Like anything that you say right now from a legal perspective can be used against you. Nothing can be used to exonerate you. But from a social perspective, you need to speak. You need, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You need to say like, look, that's true. And that was wrong, but it wasn't illegal. That one is a lie. And this one I should go to jail for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. whatever it is, you need to like, you need to address and speak and it takes a volume of words. So we have this weird incentive structure, which is legally the, the accused absolutely should not speak. Socially, they, in my opinion, should, right? That's the only way that this stuff comes out. And what yeah. that leaves is they, they go with the legal side and now there is this uh, community of hashtag believe, hashtag support. And people who will not read the article and will say, it's like, I couldn't read your article. It's too much for me, but I believe you and support you. 
which is enough for clearly people in the case of Justin Bieber, for instance, to want to create stories or stretch stories. Uh, and it's a concerning state of affairs mm -hmm. to me where the incentives are aligned in such a way that accusations can line up without merit. Now, what I have to say is that for a long time, and I don't think this balances it out, uh, the incentive structure was exactly terrible in the opposite way, which is like your word against his doesn't matter. Like you're just going to have to shut up and take it, which is fucked up and wrong in its own right. Uh, but we seem to have swung from a pendulum to something that is uh, not good. And I, mm. this is without commenting on whether Ryan is a good guy, a bad guy, go to jail, shouldn't go to jail. I don't know the specifics of his details, but I was just looking at the the ecosystem of how these sorts of things arise. Um, and then I watched a video on a lawyer who was talking about why you should never talk to police and it clicked for me. I was like, oh, you're not supposed to say anything legally, but you're supposed to say things on Twitter to defend yourself. So I don't know if he, you have any sorry, thoughts. He was saying when you get arrested that you're just going, I want my lawyer. I want my lawyer. What he was saying, it was fascinating. He gave 25 minute speech and he walked through every single objection that you have. You're like, for the things that I didn't know, he's like, you know how things you say to a police officer can be used against you? It cannot be used to exonerate you. They will, that's hearsay. So if you say something that corroborates your story early in their interaction that you might not have known but corroborated it well, they can call, uh, I don't know, call, object on the basis of hearsay and it won't be admitted in court. There is nothing you can do to help yourself. Mm -hmm. And he also gave examples of like, you'll talk for six hours and he'll ask you things and you'll be like, look, I didn't kill the guy. I wasn't here. I was this, this person. I was yada, yada, yada. I never liked the guy, but it didn't work. And boom, I never liked the guy. Admitted to police officers that he never liked the guy. He gives another example. It's like, you tell him, you give him your alibi. He's like, you say that I was in Ocean, I was in, uh, ocean Beach or whatever, mm. this thing. Well, guess what? Your double ex-girlfriend thinks that she saw you there. And she's got no reason. She's got no motive. She could just be mistaken. But now you have to, to clarify that with her in the court of law. So you're better off legally taking zero position if you're accused of something, whether you did it or didn't do it, because it is only going to come back and screw you. Um, and the cop's job, and then a cop gets up and he's like, everything he said is true. And wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we sure this is a real cop? No, I didn't see his badge. Okay. <laughs> it was on YouTube. Um, so he couldn't. He looked like a cop. He talked like a cop and he talked for 20 minutes. And what he said was, he's like, look, you guys might think you're smarter than me. He's like, I'm a 3L myself right now. I'm, I'm, I'm studying. But uh, everybody thinks they're smarter than me. What you have to consider is that it's like boxing. Mm -hmm. You might be smarter than this guy. But if he's had a 1,000 matches, mm -hmm. he's going to kick your ass. And I am going to kick your ass. You are not prepared for the unthinking habit of breaking people down that I have. And he, and he went through some of the things, that even how he reads the Miranda rights. And he, so he reads the Miranda rights exactly as he should. And then he says something to the effect of, here's what I know. I know that you were there. I know that, and he can make this up. I know that you did this. I know that you did this. So do you still not want to talk? And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like heavily implies that this is in your best thing. Also, I saw, I watched a, a thing on Netflix last night. Fascinating. It was uh, American murder, whatever, number one in, in America. People mm -hmm. love that stuff. And the guy did it. But he's sitting in the room at one point after six hours of interviewing, and he says, can I just leave? Can I just go out? Can I go? And they say, how about this? How about we bring your dad in here? And the answer is, you can go at any time, dude. <laughs> You're not under arrest. You could have walked out here after the first minute. Really? Yeah. 
Am I under arrest? Where's he? he never had a lawyer at any point. He he never had a lawyer. The, and and dude, they know how to play like they're your friend. They know how to play like they're disappointing you. I know you want to get this off your chest. And in this case, it's good police work because the guy killed his wife and two daughters. Mm. Like, but what he says is, I don't care if you did it or you didn't do it. You can always confess later. <laughs> you can if you want to go to jail or cut a deal or whatever. You can confess later. And quite frankly, the only thing he didn't confess to was the killing of his two daughters, which is what he was later able to confess to and spare himself the death penalty. So he got life imprisonment, but might have faced the death penalty. Why did killing his daughters make his sentence less? So he killed three people, his wife and two daughters. He confessed to killing the wife, but always, uh, she killed them first, is what he said, and never went back on that lie. And they had no proof. Like, they knew that he... Okay, what, she killed your two daughters and then you killed her and then mm -hmm. you buried them all? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, sorry for the spoilers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that he had not confessed that gave him a bargaining chip because the family wants to clear the name of their their daughter. Mm. And they don't really want to kill him. They just want him locked up forever. So he's able to, to use that. So anyway, uh, he's a horrible dude, should be in jail, great. But what the cops said is like, don't, talk to police <laughs> when you're being wow. interviewed. And I think the one exception for this is like, if there's a missing person and the, the clock is on and it's 24 hours in and they might be out there and you're like, where? Are, <laughs> don't wait for your lawyer. Like tell them everything that you know in that case so that they can try to find this individual. But this was three, four days in. There was no, no, no clock ticking. They were just sitting for six hours uh, interrogating this guy. What's interesting to me that he could have left, he could have just stood up and walked out. They can't stop him. He, yeah, he could have said, he could have said a number of things. He could have said, uh, am I under arrest? And they could have said, no, am I being detained? No. Okay, well then I'm, I'm out of here. And then they could have said, okay, we're going to charge you. But then he would have known, like, you're coming after me. And he also could have said, get me my lawyer. Hmm. And what the lawyer probably would have said is, say nothing. We're going to, like, you know, I don't know all the rules, but you eventually will have to speak mm -hmm. to a degree, but you have Fifth Amendment Sorry, rights. Sorry, is it fair to say that a, a lawyer is like a boxer as well in this analogy? Because I agree, by the way. Oh, yeah. A you lawyer, get a, uh, you yeah. get a bodybuilder who looks bigger and stronger in a ring yeah. with a boxer. The boxer will kick their ass. So that, my question is, like, if I'm arrested and I'm facing a boxer, yeah. is my lawyer allegedly an equally yes. experienced boxer? Yes. And if he's a good lawyer, he's an even better boxer than, than the local police department. Got it. Um, yeah, that's that's the right analogy is he said the people that are easiest are the smart guys. And sometimes they are smart, but they talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk and talk and talk and talk. And all they have to do, little things. He talked about uh, speeding tickets. He said, you know why they ask you how fast you're going? Because say you're, say the interstate's uh, 55 speed limit. Everyone's doing 65. But you want to lie a little bit because you were doing 75. So you say that you were doing 60. Well, guess what? You just admitted to breaking the law because <laughs> you're doing 60 out of 55. You're done. <laughs> like, he's got you already. Wow. Uh, like, people, he said people, it was just fascinating. He said people are terrible at outright lying except for psychopaths mm. they're they're they can only bend the truth effectively and that's all it takes if you contradict yourself you're an incredible you lack credibility as a witness somebody's mistaken you're mistaken um the other thing is that uh he, he just played a trick on people you, I, i'm telling you guys this whole video because it's fascinating i suppose but yeah. at the beginning of uh the lawyer reads a fake murder summary that might have been in the newspaper you know three people slain and yada 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 Ten minutes later, he asks the students, "Okay, how many people were or how many people were shot?" And they all say, three, three, three. He says, "Wrong. I didn't say they were shot. How did you know they were shot?" 
And then it's like, <laughs> oh no, now, now you've confessed to knowing that these people were shot yeah, when yeah, the cops yeah. didn't tell you. And, and it's like, by the way, this interaction may not be recorded. If the cop remembers that he didn't tell you that, but you brought it up the first time, like just say nothing. Wow. <laughs> um, so I was, I was heavily persuaded by all of that. And then, it, and it of course made me think about the, what, what the Me Too allegation people like Chris D'Elia, Brian Callen, et cetera, regardless of whether or not they did it, what they're hearing from their lawyers is you cannot say anything. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to help exonerate yourself. Um, so it's messed up that we essentially have two trials occurring. We have the court of public opinion and the legal thing. They're well, it's also incredibly unpersuasive. Mm -hmm. if, if let's say that let's say there's a, a news article comes out against someone and it says 19 women have alleged misconduct, right? The first one yeah. says uh, it's a crime and the other 18 say something to the degree of like, he was not nice to me, right? Mm -hmm. But not a crime. But 19 women have accused no one's going to blah, blah, blah. And the guy comes out and says, I know people have been asking me to make a statement, but my lawyers are telling me not to. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to comment on this. Yeah. You look guilty. You look, you guilty look really as, bad. So because is, people don't understand. I didn't understand this until literally right now. You're thinking about, yeah. oh, you can only hurt yourself. I was like, just come out and say that you didn't do it. Fight it. Fight it tooth and yeah. nail. So yeah, I think the general populace is so unconvinced by that. It actually makes you look bad mm -hmm. to come out and and say that so what the cop says he's like that's why people talk he says they're they're playing by these social rules where if you shut up you're guilty so they talk and talk and talk and talk to prove their innocence and interestingly there's like there's a ton of things but of there's been the dna i forget what it's called the, the blank project where they exonerate people with dna evidence 25 mm -hmm. percent of the people they've exonerated confess to the crime 25 percent confessed to the crime, hmm. which means that the police got him in there, told him that they had him up a road, this, that, and the other thing. You're going to get the electric chair. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's evil policemen. I'm like, this is the system that we have. And what he encourages you to recognize is the police are playing offense. Mm. You're not doing a favor by being neutral. <laughs> like you're supposed to play defense. Yeah, yeah. That's how this system is meant to work. The best defense we can get, the best offense we can get. And that's how we believe we'll get to the truth. Well, that was interesting to me in, so I have a friend who's a lawyer and I always thought the jobs of lawyers, what it was to get to the truth. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, the system is set up so that the judge or the jury decide the truth. But mm -hmm. the prosecutor is not supposed to decide if he thinks you're innocent or mm -hmm. guilty and pursue you accordingly. He's supposed to prove to the best of his ability you are guilty. Mm -hmm. The defendant is not supposed to take into account if he thinks you did it and should go to jail. He's supposed to, to the best of his absolute ability, not have you be found guilty, mm -hmm. regardless of what they think of you. And so to me, that was always interesting because you look at certain cases that are so cut and dry and how vehemently the defense will defend it or how vehemently the prosecution will yeah. prosecute it. And it's like their job is not truth. Only the judge is mm -hmm. supposed to do that or only the jury is supposed to do it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it really is a system that for whatever reason, it's just decided aggressive offense and aggressive defense <laughs> is the best way to get to the truth. Yeah. Well, the, 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 I'll wrap with this right now. But the one he just takes a Supreme Court justice from back in the day and, and he has him talking about the Fifth Amendment. And he says, it's such a shame that so many Americans think that the Fifth Amendment is an omission of guilt. It is there for you. It is there to protect you from a tyrannical government. It is mm. your right. Please use the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it's there for. Well, how could you not in a jury, though? You know what I mean? You're, you're a juror. You've, we've never had this podcast mm -hmm. conversation. You're coming in with the legal knowledge you had a half hour ago, right? And you're mm -hmm. on the jury and they say, where were you the night of the murder? Mm -hmm. and you go, I plead the Fifth. Mm -hmm. As well, a you, juror, you're like, this person's guilty as fuck. That's why you don't even take the stand. Yeah. That's why most defendants do not take the stand. Uh, 
don't know if it's most, but that's why in the movies, <laughs> you never take the stand. <laughs> no, it's just interesting. I mean, think about it from a, from a juror's perspective. Where were you the night of the murder? I plead the fifth. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. that's just without a judge telling me, hey, you're not supposed to take, like, mm -hmm. my immediate reaction is you're guiltier than you were before you said that sentence. Sure, sure. So, yes, effectively, what I noticed in in this, and I'm repeating myself, but is that there are two courts occurring. There's legal mm -hmm. court, which which is why people are silent, and there's the public opinion court. Uh, and people decide to lose the public opinion court in order to not go to jail legally, right? And so what that creates is a public opinion court that is tilted uh they didn't say anything where did crystalia go why did he disappear like what's going on shouldn't he say something it's you like why wouldn't you defend yourself i've heard that so many times and again i don't know what's true of him but now i have a deeper understanding of he might really want to <laughs> yeah, yeah but well it's also weird because there's no there's a penalty for defending yourself it sounds like but there's not a penalty for going on the offensive uh no no and this is this is again i don't know this is the difficulty uh, that Dude, Jesse Smollett, I, to my knowledge, did not get penalized at all. Well, for, there was, I think there was some shady police work around getting him. He was, he was on the chopping block to be penalized, but they dropped it. They, I don't know why it was a shady thing. Like, why did they let this go? They might've just done his lawyer might've done a good job. Then like you collected evidence the wrong way. You did this. We are going to drag the police department through it, but he was definitely on the chopping block. Uh, you're right. There's, there's. It seems to be that people who make false accusations. I don't know whatever happened to the the Duke Lacrosse women who alleged that sort of thing. Uh, woman, just one, I think. Just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what what happens in those cases. Um, but yeah, so that's that topic. Anything else? Not on that. <laughs> I got a lot of like. I learned a lot though about what to do if I ever get arrested. I'll just so. send you the video. Uh, so I have a like. I know we have a ton of questions today. Yeah, so we're gonna keep this tight because apparently we have twenty Patreon questions. Twenty one. Twenty one. All right, I'll, I'll save this then for for next time. No, it's okay. Right. We got another twenty five minutes. Uh, sure. So the one thing I I was watching, um, what's his name? Thomas Sowell. So he's now somebody's like reviving. Thomas Sowell is is an economist. He was born in the '30s. He's a black guy, but he is a traditionally conservative economist who is in very like Chicago school of thinking, Milton Friedman esque. Uh, free market guy. Free market guy does wrote in this video that the legacy of slavery has not hurt black Americans as much as the last what, 50, 60 years of the welfare state and then talks about it. And it was just mm. interesting. Um, but one of the, this unrelated to that, one of the things that I was thinking as I was watching it is that obviously in today's time where there's a whole push for uh, racial justice for all these you know, pushes because we have a larger percentage of black people that are in uh, poverty, that mm -hmm. are killed, that have all of these horrible outcomes. And what I'm very curious, I don't know who represents this belief, is that I wonder if the people who want racial justice think that the world would be a better place if we had the same amount of people being killed in poverty and horrible outcomes, but it was racially representative of the United States as a whole. Meaning that murders don't move an inch mm -hmm. poverty doesn't move an inch it's just instead of uh black people there's some white people there's some asian people there are more women are yeah. represented in well, that's more in murders to me it seems like the world would not at all be a better place if that was the case no no but i'll, I'll steel man it it's no it wouldn't be a better place but it would be a more fair place in the sense that 
when you come out born. So let's assume it is because of systemic racism. If yes, yes. Right? Let's assume that it is because of systemic racism. Then yes, I think if you're going to cap me at saying these certain amount of people have to get murdered, it makes no sense to only be murdering people from a small pool based on something that they're not um, had no say in, which is the color of their skin, right? Yes, now, if yes. You, so if your argument is basically the bad things happen in proportion to um, who's committing crimes, then whatever, that's a totally different argument. But if you're saying it's because of the color of their skin, it's like, yeah, white people should get killed more so black people can get killed less. Mm -hmm. If you're going to cap murders, that's uh, that would be more fair. You if, know what I'm saying? If you, if you, like you said, if you presume that the reasons are systemic racism, which then, these people, then that would be I'm, fair. But yeah, even, the people I'm steel manning would mm -hmm. say that. That's why that, that this proportion is because of systemic racism. Therefore, yes, even if you're not going to decrease the murdering, shifting it to the general populace instead of one part of the populace. If it's just, let's say it's like random acts of police brutality. Yeah, they should be spread amongst the whole mm -hmm. populace that the police police. Yes, that would be fair. And I agree with the provisions that you gave, and we don't need to dive into them right now. The question that I ask is, the, would the world be better? And do we want a world that is more fair or a world that is better? And it seems to me that you ought to aim at a world that is better, meaning that the goal should be to have fewer murders. Yeah, but I'll, fewer. I'll steel man it again, though. I don't think that the, I don't think that the argument is that police should be hurting other people more. I think the argument is police hurt, let's say, uh, white men at the correct percentage of the population, which mm -hmm. is to say some mistakes happen. That is the level of mistakes that should be seen across the board. Sure, and, so, I, and so I, I, would, you, I would be I would down so, for that. That so, would be a better world. So if you do that, mm -hmm. then you are going to decrease total amount of deaths. Yes, but now, now you're not playing the game that I've given you. I've no, given no, you. No, no, but I'm saying that's what they... That they're not, their argument isn't what you're saying. No one, I think, is arguing. I'm not that, saying that it is. That I'm you giving you an I'm giving you an imaginary hypothetical world to tease sure. out values. So I yes, that 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 case that would be both more fair and better. I agree. But what I'm saying is, there's a genie. This genie can come in, snap his fingers, and the same amount of horrible stuff happens, but it is racially represented at at a level that is uh, proportionate to the entire population of the United States. Is that better? And I don't know what people would say. I think it is. You think that that's a better world? Yeah, I because you're saying now that the you're saying that the death is occurring at random now. It's not. It's, tar it's well, not targeted. Again, it's not. It's not coming out of hate. It's not coming out of targeting a group, or it's not coming out of um, anything except for basically you're saying just randomness, which is to say sometimes people make mistakes. Uh, to me, that is immaterial. If if you have the same fifty thousand people, or I don't hundred people, just keep it a small number, getting murdered, but now instead of 85% of them being men, now 50 are men and 50 are women. That is not a better world well, to me. What's more fair if I pick a name? Well, you keep saying fair. I'm saying better. I'm, I'm not. Well, I, think I'm not I think, I guess I think fair is better. Just straight it. up. So like, let's say, so we can pull a name out of a hat, 300 million people, that person gets killed, right? Mm -hmm. Or we pull a Hoopert out of the hat and that person gets killed and we're going to do it every week. Mm -hmm. It actually seems more fair and therefore I would argue inherently better to go full populist. Interesting. So I guess this might be the difference between you. I don't consider, and again, and we're presuming for the sake of this argument that what is driving these differences is pure and simple racism or sexism yeah, or the whole, whatever. The whole argument, that's why I'm, it keeps, I'm just trying to mm -hmm. steal man the argument. Like the, the whole argument changes if something besides uh, racial bias is the cause Because then of it violence. could, because then just to, just to elaborate, then it could still be fair even if the outcome is not proportionate. I, under, I understand what you're saying just for the audience. Yes, because then, so like, 
then then cho- then choice is 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 involved. But yeah, I guess let's say let's say that every person that died of gun violence had a gun on them mm-hmm. in a made up world, right? And that just was a fact. Yep. Well, if that was the case, you could just not carry a gun, and you know you'd be immune to gun violence. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So so if you if it is due to that choice, then you can protect yourself. But mm-hmm. if it's a lottery, yeah, then I think distributing the lottery across the populace is the most fair thing to do. Interesting. So you keep saying fair. I don't think that fair is better. I guess I do. is what I'm saying. I think it is. Yeah. And I don't know that we're gonna uh, get here, but I'm 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 a hooper. Fine. I might like not that world, but I don't think it's a better world. If five people die and it happens to be my family, that to me is not better. And I guess it help. It it's important because better is is what we're all orienting towards implicitly mm-hmm. you know what i mean so for uh it's and i don't and, and hopefully everyone out there is driving towards one of the first scenarios where you describe which is to say if it is the case that the appropriate amount of police brutality or whatever is closer to what you see in the white female cohort mm-hmm. then everybody's would decrease and it would be both a better and yeah, a, if and that's a, if that's what's if that's what the system's set up to do just in a in a error, human mm-hmm. error occurs, and anything above that is not based on error, then the goal is to remove everything that's systemic such that the only thing occurring mm-hmm. is error. So then you mm-hmm. would have less damage being done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that and again, th- these are all like super, super hypothetical no, genie is, in well, a bottle world. Very, this yeah. is the absolute crux of yeah. the disagreement. Is like what is occurring? Mm-hmm. Is it systemic racism? Is it racial bias? Is it culture? Is it uh, consequences of actions like this is mm-hmm. the heart of the issue and I think that every disagreement comes from different opinions on those topics mm-hmm. yeah interesting I uh, I guess I don't and, and we don't have to talk further about it because I don't know even how to drive deeper into it that fair and better are not the same to me uh, that fair is I guess if I'm I'm imagining myself in a God's eye view of like Okay, so that one family of Hooperts got wiped out. You know, nobody else was in the lottery. Like, still five people died. Um, and it doesn't seem better than if it was five randomly distributed people all over the planet. Well, I think this is why the Hunger Games seems wrong and mm-hmm. um, World War II doesn't. In the sense that, like, the Hunger Games, the poor are forced to fight for entertainment. Mm-hmm. World War II, the populace is fighting for their country. So if the rich were included, the Hunger Games would be better? I disagree. <laughs> I, yeah, if, they, I think, if they pulled two kids from the capital, that would be yeah, no, a better you, world? Well, you'd have a different, you'd have a different problem, right? Like, so so let's do the Hunger Games, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the Hunger Games right now is, is the, it's the death of the poor mm-hmm. for the entertainment of the rich. If you were pulling from the whole populace because let's say um, a tyrant was very powerful and could force the whole populace to, then you could have the whole populace uniting to overthrow the one tyrant. Yeah, but that's not, again, this is a genie. They're not going to do that. So what we're saying is Why same amount of kids. Well, that's, now you're, I'm starting just from, the, you're, you're, you're moving a step beyond. Mm-hmm. I'm saying 24 kids or whatever in the Hunger Games, same 24, except proportionate amount from the capital. Yeah, I think that's better. Yeah, I think it's not. And we could stop. <laughs> I disagree. Okay. What do you think in the comments? Let us know. Yeah. Um, no, if I had to push a button and one was poor people fight in the arena and one is all people fight in the arena it's the same kids i'm i push the all got it well got it. in the real world though what about um if you had the rich kids wouldn't they be like better nourished they would be just generally stronger they'd have an unfair advantage Ooh. over the <laughs> that so i actually yeah. I, so i was watching a trans uh athletes video the other day that i actually think is okay 
like people have the lives that they have. So because people were arguing um that Michael Phelps has a genetic advantage in swimming. Mm-hmm. That's that's of course he does. <laughs> on par with uh that's on par with um you know a transitioned female who's in the women's division now. Got it. So he's and, saying Michael Phelps to uh male swimmer is transitioned uh wrestler. Got it, got it. I understand. To a, to a biological female wrestler yeah he's just a lot much better i just go i disagree and if you don't if you want to control for that then you just don't have sport just don't bother with sports you know what i mean because there's just some degree of Mm -hmm. variance that we're gonna have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i guess for me what it is is uh i understand what you're saying if i if i had two buttons i'll pick this one which is indicative that i might prefer this one more uh the way that I was thinking about it is what are we oriented towards? Are we oriented towards representation or, or are we oriented towards the abolishment of the hunger games? And, and I, so I understand what you're saying. You're like, look, genie in a bottle. I have two buttons. Yeah. That's the hypothetical. I, this, I is, this is, this is how I, this to. is. Yes. Yes. No, and but I, I think in the real world, I think what people want to see is, is the amount of accidental deaths be equal across the board brought to its lowest because its lowest that's at least not what the argument is because you would imagine that uh, well i've never seen anyone say that they want to see more white people beaten the arguments as they're presented are that that the the current argument as it's being presented is that that would solve the problem that more white deaths at the hands yes it is that's no that's a miss uh i think that's a miss so what i hear is that black people represent 13% of the population but 26% of the police murders. Sorry, but they're if, not no 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 no. They're not saying they're not saying that if more white people if the, they're not saying that starting today if there was an increase in white people being killed that that would solve the problem. What they're saying is if they looked across the board and they saw the same number of black people being killed but a proportionate amount of white people being killed, then they would think that there was a problem but not that the problem had to do with skin color. Uh I think well first off I think that we're we're obviously imagining what's going on in somebody else's mind so we can't mm. know but the arguments as they are repre- as they are stated is that the problem is the representation and not the absolute number I don't uh, I think I think it's just cuz I don't easier. hear it compared to other countries have you ever heard it compared to like No but why would you we have a different because that's how you compare absolute numbers of deaths is is how is our system set up compared to a different system no i think what you're saying is assume so for so and again for a second assume that it doesn't correlate with anything else in terms of people's actions or behaviors right then what they're saying is like pick the smallest amount of errors that's how many are errors right so you just look at white women that's how many errors occur okay so that if that's errors then anything above errors is something that's not an error Mm -hmm. i actually think we can all agree with that right and then it's like in oh, this in this hypothetical no no world. even even yeah. in, actually even in real life right if no this, no because white women obviously don't commit as much crime as that's, anybody. <laughs> so that's not an error necessarily though that's a, that's an that's uh being put that, that's putting police into a higher risk scenario you know what i'm saying like errors just just people living their lives mm-hmm. misunderstandings you think should be the same from whatever the lowest thing is and so then when you see an increase from white women to black men something is happening the question is, is what's happening, is it because it's based on crime demographics? Is it because it's based on racism? But something besides just random error is occurring, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they're saying. It's like, let's get all the numbers down to random error. And so the counter argument is it's not based on race. It's based on something else, like a uh, number of times police are put in jeopardy by that demographic. But mm-hmm. what they're saying is that's not what it is. 
it's racism. And so if you thought that, then you would want to drop it down to the random mm-hmm. error amount. Yeah. I guess what's hard here is that uh, we're both talking for people that are not present right now. We're, we're speaking of an amalgamation of opinions. But uh, the reason that I had that question is because I have not... Um, the the representation is the is the key linchpin upon which it is, and not that it is. But I think that's because absolutely a, too high. No, but I think it's because it's a simple thing to point to to show that it's not fair. Mm-hmm. I think you're. It's just that's just conversation you have to shorthand. Like to have mm-hmm. this conversation every time is uh, pedantic. I don't know what the word would be, mm-hmm. but I, I don't. I do think that the argument is that it's it's not that it's too high because white people are too low. It's that white in in the minds of someone that has this belief. It's that the percentage of white deaths one might even be too high still i've heard people argue that mm-hmm. and two even if they're not touching that they're going some error is going to occur human error happens but this represents the human error part of the pie mm-hmm. and the fact this is so much higher means there's more than humor human error going on yeah yeah so in this again in this world where uh the only thing contributing to variations of in the deaths is amongst sex and well, no, race. Here's, is, where, here's where the this is no no we, we don't even have to do this is where the disagreement comes in right like this percentage this percentage of errors is human error. This is higher than what you see in in white women. This is higher than human error, and I think both sides agree. And then where they start to fight is why is it higher than human error? And some people say racism, and some people say uh, it's proportionate to violent crime, mm-hmm. right? But the point is, it's higher than hu- just regular random populist human error, and then that's where they that's where they fight. It's is on what causes it, what causes people more black people as a percentage of the black populace to get killed. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess again, we're, we're this is getting too long at this point, but it's also not true to say that white women are being killed because of human error. White women are being killed because they're sometimes committing crime, and that's not an error. Like, the, sometimes a white woman is out there brandishing a gun, shooting at people, and that's not an error that she is For slain. sure. I'm, but I'm just saying this is the argument for why... I guess this is this is the argument for why... I don't think anyone is arguing that they want to see more white people killed by police. Mm-hmm. I think what they're saying is, even if you accept that all of those are accidents, because accidents do happen, ours is way higher than the accidents do ha- happen number. So something is going on besides accidents do happen. Yes, yes. And we, we've gone deep on this. But of course, just to reiterate, white women dying from police are not accidents do happen. In fact, I would guess that a lot of the white women dying from police are in the midst of a violent crime when they are when they are killed. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but accidents do also happen. I sure, think sure. Some, some of them. Zero is a... Is a Insane goal. The only way to do it would be to have zero police, and then you just have deaths from other causes. And you'd have deaths yeah. increase. Got it. All right. Well, let's move on because I think we went <laughs> we went long on this one. Okay. Uh, what do we got for questions? A lot. Um, All right. Let's do it. <clears throat> so for the first one is, what do you think of the living your best life mantra? My observation of the saying is that it's associated with living a completely efficient and structured life, waking up early every day and working out regularly, living by a super clean and healthy diet, being a com- competent businessman with a great and healthy social circle. Like anyone interested in self-improvement, I've tried to incorporate most of these aspects into my own life, but it is only after I've been doing a lot of soul searching that living this lifestyle in its entirety or playing the game is extremely daunting to me. This may be an indicator that this lifestyle won't make me happy. Why do you think there's so much pressure to live your best life? And why are so many people portraying this image, whether it be on YouTube or social media? It seems that every minute of every day should be utilized to unlock your full potential, which and that is what should define success, and that is happiness. I was wondering if either of you live by this mantra, and are you happy as a result of it? 
this is not at all what I associate with someone <laughs> saying live your best life. I actually associate it with a drunk person <laughs> on a boat shouting while uh, shotgunning a beer yeah, or yeah, taking yeah. a shot. So first of all, I'm shocked that's what this person's uh, mental association is with live your best life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I normally yeah. hear it as like, I'm living my best life. Like just being a clown. Um, so I guess I'm going to remove the living your best life part to try to answer the meat of the question, mm -hmm. which is I feel daunted by all the personal development advice that I get. Wake mm -hmm. up at 5 a.m., have a great diet, start yeah. working out, start my business. Uh, I, it's actually, I mean, I, again, maybe I'm just like a weird freak, but I don't think so. I don't think it's hard to do all those things once they become habit. I think it's hard to try to do all those things at once if you're starting from having none of those habits, mm -hmm. which is to say, if all you did to start was let yourself wake up whenever you wake up, but you just focused on cleaning up your diet, and then you read James Clear's habit building stuff on diet because i don't think it's just about willpower it's about like throwing out your junk food having a pitcher of water like doing all that stuff then i think you would find diet would be in place within six months and then you can move on to like starting a business or dating life or whatever mm -hmm. it is so I, to me it's kind of like you just small chunk it and then two years later you go oh it's actually very easy for me to live what i have defined as my best life so that's my that's my take. Well, that's that's that answers the question about uh, how to make it less daunting, perhaps, yeah. which is just small chunk it. And I think that's true. Uh, the other part of the question, which, which I keyed into, which is why do I keep hearing these ones in particular? Do these things actually make people happy? And I think mm -hmm. there's a possibility that uh, depending on where you're coming from, getting in shape, waking up on time, setting goals and all that can make you happy. But it's always important to remember that especially with social media, there's an incentive structure that oh, yeah. controls what people say and do and what emotions they uh, they present to the world. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of points for waking up at 5 a.m. nowadays. You get a lot of, it's, it's you know, you might even want to catalog what are wonderful things to be on social media. And this is a constantly transforming thing. I was watching Coleman Hughes talk about Tumblr and how within the ecosystem of Tumblr, having, a, what is it, mental disorder, Mm. is coveted yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is having a diagnosis it gives you a degree of power so mm. every social media platform is going to be slightly different but For it's sure. but it seems like very common is being fit waking up at early being on your grind entrepreneur as a word philanthropist as a word mm. we've laughed at this one we've seen yeah, yeah, plenty yeah. of entrepreneur entrepreneur philanthropists out there uh yeah and they live off their parents money yes yes and don't give any of it away but i, but I actually <laughs> would say i think that there are some time-tested things that i imagine make people health uh happier like i do think being healthy in the sense of like your body doesn't hurt you wake up with energy yeah, yeah. you can move i actually would put that in like yeah that's worth pursuing i think that'll make you happy uh i'm not gonna say waking up early because i don't think it matters but sl getting sleep i think over the long run is going to increase performance and it's going to make you happy um mm -hmm. so i do think that there are, I think some of these are really good goals. I actually don't know that they even deserve to be bucketed together. I think doing something that makes you feel fulfilled is a worthwhile pursuit. And for some people, that's a job. And for some people, that's entrepreneurship. And knowing who you are is really important. I don't think just entrepreneurship is going to make some people miserable. Some people are so happy to be in their job, whether that's a corporate job or as a carpenter. But I think recognizing that you wake up every day going, oh, fuck, I can't believe I have to go back to this job. It's like, yeah. If you fix that, you will be happier. Mm -hmm. um, there's more to life than than dreading the day. And so I don't think it's about entrepreneurship. I don't think it's about money, but like doing something. I won't even say that you enjoy doing, but that fulfills you. Like it can be hard. <laughs> you can go do a hard day's labor, 
But then at the end of the day, when you they're like, that was great. Like that feeling is that's worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. I think physical health is worth pursuing. And I think full night's sleep is worth pursuing. So I, I do think uh, beyond just Instagram glorification, some of the things that this person listed are inherently going to make you happier would be my guess. Yeah, the only amendment that I would make to that is uh, not, the things that make Ben happy and the things that make you happy might have a lot of overlap but are likely to not be the same. So take all of it with a grain of salt, test mm -hmm. it, and pay attention to, to how it how it infects you in your own life. For yeah. sure. And if, it, and if it works, keep doing it. These are just suggestions, I think. Yes. Okay. Well, that's why I say I don't think like a certain body is good. But I mean, I have, and maybe I'm wrong, I, I have seen enough uh just in other people's lives that it seems to be like waking up with habits that give you the energy to pursue mm -hmm. a day seems to be better than, um, for instance, having habits that leave you drained every day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think it's just me. I do think if you do, if you live a life where you sleep two hours a day because you're shit faced every night or working three jobs, like I think over the long haul, that's going to prove unsustainable. I think Gary Vaynerchuk would disagree. I think you got to test a lot of this stuff. I bet you Gary does not sleep a lot. Uh, eight hours for Gary, I would be shocked, and I don't think I don't think he's done that in two decades. Mm -hmm. I bet you he's averaged like five <laughs> a night while he works three jobs. Yeah, I don't know how happy he is, and also I think I says would, he's I happy. Yes, I would guess he's the outlier. Yeah, but sure, test it yourself. Mm -hmm. Cool. Next is what does everything is one mean in the philosophical or metaphysical sense? It seems as though that phrase is a dead end with little meaning. We are not just in the universe, but we are the universe itself. But what makes this revelation important? If we are all one with each other in the universe, but <clears throat> all we do is just believe that statement rather than actually experience the universe as a whole, then why is it a useful belief to have? Mm. I saw this. This is in response to your saying that uh, maybe once you recognize that you're just the right yeah, yeah. hand, then yeah, it's not useful changes. to believe. It's it's as useful to believe as it is useful to believe that the secret to living is giving. Like thinking the thought does zero <laughs> for you, uh, and I I'm in the category of still testing it, thinking it curious if it's true but i don't i don't often experience my life as anything other than this bag of flesh right here so yeah it's it's funny what people say that they believe is not nearly as important as what they experience so you're 100 right if you can experience that the universe is one there's nothing to fear there's no death there's uh everyone else's joy is your joy everyone else's suffering is your suffering and nothing can go wrong <laughs> it's all it's just all pe perfect in in the way that it is but that's that is not a common experience i think for most people though for the reasons that i just stated it might be one that people are inclined to move towards mm -hmm. or, or to see if it's real because if it is it really does unravel a lot of the problems of being a person yeah but the only thing i would say is around the word belief which is i think if people say that they believe something but then their actions don't bear it out they think it but they mm -hmm. don't believe it. So mm -hmm. if someone believes in the Bible but has premarital sex, they do not believe in the Bible. They may believe parts or they may think parts, but no one sex is not good enough to risk eternal damnation. Mm -hmm. So I think um, to believe this is not the same as to post it on your Instagram or to say it out loud mm -hmm. in a seminar. That's all That's all I would say. I think if it, you would see it borne out in their actions, they would mm -hmm. behave as if they really felt this in their core. And I think you would tell immediately who felt that they were part of a bigger universe and we're one with the universe versus who says it mm -hmm. and then acts exactly like an autonomous individual <laughs> who didn't think they were a cell in a bigger organism yeah. would act. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, how do I know the difference between apathy of a past experience and just having moved on from it? 
Is this person an emotional mastery? I get the sense that they may be. Uh, we don't know. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All good. So there's a couple clues. I don't think that there's one thing that I could tell you. Uh, humans, with regards to trauma, uh, are similar. So if you were in a war zone and you feel apathetic <laughs> about your experience and it just doesn't bother you or you were raped or you were abused as a child and you just never really bothered you, mm -hmm. high chance it's apathy. High, high chance it's apathy uh, and that it's an adaptive apathy, which is good for you for a period of time, but at this point in your life might be worth doing therapy or something else because it's likely creating problems in other areas of your life. So that's one thing is that if you have a history of highly traumatic experience that just never really bothered you. What if it bothered me and I worked on it and now it doesn't bother me? Uh, well, I think all of this has layers, right? So there's, there's, uh, like just permafrost apathy, which is I've I haven't felt it at all. Then there's I worked on it and I worked on it more, and so it, it's degrees of that is what I would say. Um, that you've you've likely unraveled some of it and handled some of it, and maybe would benefit from more, maybe wouldn't. I don't know where you are in your thawing of the ice, if you will. Uh, in terms of other things, I think it's if. If there's a genuine sense of forgiveness, if there's another person involved is a good thing. Uh, if there's a sense that you can't go there or can't think about it or it would just piss you off too much to think about, that can be like the beginnings of, of feelings which haven't been worked on. Uh, but oftentimes, the things that you've moved through in your life, whatever it is, uh, if you have gone through it, you recognize that everything that was the case contributed to you being where you are now and that often leads to a immediate sense of forgiveness because it's like it's all good like turned out turned out good and i'm happy uh, so those are just two things off the top of my head do you have any others no what if you don't like where you where you ended up uh well it's likely worthwhile going back and and exploring it and or <laughs> working on where you ended up and separately Cool. Um, next is, I took the Charisma on Command course, but still don't know how to flirt or make my relationship seem more like a friendship or more than a friendship. I'm good at making friends, but nothing beyond that. And I don't want to come off as creepy. Will there be a module involved specifically for flirting in the future? I don't know. Will there? I don't think so. I think we might do, have a dating program. Mm -hmm. We might relaunch our dating program. But in the meantime, okay, so this person can make friends, but struggles to flirt. Mm-hmm. So what would I say? And doesn't want to be creepy. I wish I knew this person's age and how they meet people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah like if it's at work, don't even try. Well, this is, uh, this is, I think this is perhaps the most important foundational thing, which is different ways of behaving in different contexts of your life. Yeah. So, uh, on a dating app where someone has swiped right on you, you're, they're interested in dating and you guys are on your first date. That's one context out at a public venue when, whenever that happens, but that's like a bar or something yeah. like that where people tend to go to meet, uh, out at a public venue where people don't go to meet, like a library mm -hmm. or something like that. And then you've got work. the work or something like that. Uh, I've said something like that a hundred times. <laughs> Each one of those is going to have different levels of what is acceptable without being creepy. Yes. And it's going to be the most uh, conservative in the workplace, and then on your first date with someone who has already indicated that they like you on a dating app, you can go more direct with mm -hmm. the flirting. 
So within all of those, I think what generally what you're you're looking to do is to move uh, one or two levels up. So if you're in the workplace, you don't want to necessarily like be giving big hugs or all that kind of stuff. What you can say is, hey, would you like to go get a drink this Saturday night? Which is to change a context to over here where flirting looks different and we can talk about exactly what that is. But within the workplace, I think the number one thing that you're trying to do is to just see if they're interested uh, and and I think most people get this in moving to a different context with you where flirting can happen in a way that is not going to jeopardize your job. Mm-hmm. Once you're in that sort of a context, what are the things to do? So let's, let's run to God. It's been so long since I've been to a bar. Well, well so uh, one thing I'll say, and you can think on what you were uh, want to add is, so you've, you've gone through Christmas university, so we'll go through it. The, how to make good first impression, right? Fun, trust, respect, mm-hmm. and then turn it on to them. The only thing that you have to add is turn fun into fun and attractive. Yeah. So that's going to slightly change what that first phase looks like, but it's still the same. So in terms of uh, how do I make them attracted to me before you go into the asking them a bunch of questions about themselves part and gushing over how cool they are part, it's about being fun and attractive still. Mm -hmm. And then the flip I would have is in all your relationships, you probably have standards, right? You wouldn't just be friends with anyone, but. Uh, in a bar, I think there's a tendency when you're attracted to someone to just let those fall to the wayside and laugh at every joke. Tell them how amazing they are. What do you do? Oh, I'm a, a Teacher. fitness instructor. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. this like gushing. And uh, don't do that. <laughs> Have real standards. And then if something truly is amazing, you can say it. But it'll probably take a couple questions to get there, which will make the person feel like you're actually assessing if you like them or not. Instead which of you just should be. Assessing yeah. their yeah. shell. Yeah. Um, so that's going to help a lot. I'm thinking of common mistakes that I see. But they, had, it, I mean, the biggest mistake I see is people go up and they immediately try to s- switch to the trust phase or the make them feel special phase. And I actually would just double down on what you've learned in CU and say the most important thing is fun. And the only thing I'd add is fun slash attractive, mm-hmm. which means come in making jokes. You've already done the thing about crushing small talk questions, right? Because you're in CU. So your answers might be different in the office versus the bar, but that exercise is still what you want to do, which is go to a bar and see what people are asking you. Are they asking you where you're from, what you do? Okay, how can you answer those questions in the ways that we went through so that it's funny or attractive? So it's the same kind and of... Let, I want to elaborate a bit on what that is because they're different in different contexts. Well, I'm trying not to give away our whole course. <laughs> That's fine. Give it. A, if I can give it away in these next five minutes, then it's not worth taking. Okay. Uh, so things that are attractive. Uh Consider what are the types of things that women are often drawn to. If you are ambitious, if you have uh, fun, fascinating stories, if you're socially connected, if you have hobbies like guitar or whatever. Again, a lot of these come back to, especially if you're young, ambition is one of the most attractive things. You don't have to have done everything, but be interested. Take the storytelling module where we talk about how to uh, leave clues and threads so that people want to pick up on your story. So yeah, leaving open, open, open loops. loops. And, and we talk about like throwing the Velcro out, right? So mm-hmm. when you're telling a story, don't, oh, where are you from? Well, I grew up in Philadelphia yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I moved to New York <laughs> for work and then I moved to Brazil because I started a business and then I went yeah. to California. Even if it's a cool story, I've said it all. Mm-hmm. So you want to kind of leave things open like, oh, well, I kind of, I moved all around the world for a bit, but I actually moved to LA from Brazil. I to run to to uh, help grow this business that I have, and yeah. so now there's like, wait a second, why were you in Brazil? What is this business that you have? And but you might I slip one or two answer, things. I didn't even answer where I'm from. I didn't mm-hmm. say the suburbs of Philadelphia because that's not uh, when they ask where you're from. They're just trying to learn more about you. They don't care about that specific piece of information. So me saying I moved here, I traveled all around the world, but I actually moved here from Brazil. 
that's that story is the same thing as saying from the suburbs of Philadelphia in terms of giving them what they wanted, which is more insight. Mm -hmm. But that's the more attractive insight. And to Charlie's point, it leaves the open loop of like, wait, where else did you travel? Or wait, why Brazil? Or wait, yeah. why L.A.? Um, so, yeah, so it's a great point. Like leave those open loops there in your story while also basically, you know, they're going to ask you the common questions that you get asked. So have some semblance of what you want to answer for those. Mm -hmm. And and again, just so we don't spend the whole time, we have 20 more questions to go here. Uh, I'll give you the broad structures. And as, as I'm re-remembering this, context is different. We talked about your contexts. Don't do, you can do some of this. You can be f engaging and fun in any context. You can do this in the workplace. You mm -hmm. can talk about your core travels. In fact, that might make someone more open to going out on a date scenario with mm -hmm. you. But the general three emotions that are different in dating than they might be in uh, just making friends or, or getting along at the workplace are going to be that fun, as Ben said, shifts towards attraction. So the things that you're leaving in your stories are more of the flavor that we talked about. That there is a room, as Ben mentioned, for standards. People like to feel like they got into Harvard University. They don't want to feel like uh, you're just looking for any individual and you'll say whatever it takes for them to like you for two reasons. It doesn't make them feel special. And it also is kind of like, what's up with this person that they'll take anything that they can get. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't mean that you need to be mean to anybody, but it means that it's really worth sitting down and we should re-release the dating course. It helps to go through like, what am, what are my deal breakers? What am I not willing to date? Even if someone was beautiful, someone's rude to wait staff. And I see that even if they're beautiful, is that a turnoff? And if the answer is yes, fantastic. Like those deal breakers are good to know and it's helpful to embody them and sometimes even work them into conversation. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece, once you have those two, is there's a degree of sexual tension. This is a big no-no in the workplace. Yep. <laughs> but as you move towards that bar scenario or that first date scenario, this has a lot to do with what is the proximity with which you're talking? If you're taking a dance lesson, can you look each other in the eye at close range? Put your hands on her hips. Uh, are, are the... As you flirt with her, is there innuendo going on? And we can talk about deep, more deeply in all these things, throw them in the course uh, if we re-release it. But those three pieces are the biggest difference. And they are more, it follows a lot of the same structure of Charisma University, just with slightly amended, uh, if you want to say, uh, core emotions that you're targeting at each stage of the interaction. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I was, just, I was also just thinking I'm at a bar how do I indicate that I'm trying to be more than friends? And then I'm thinking if I'm, and I feel like it almost happens automatically because I'm a man approaching a woman. So mm -hmm. that makes me think perhaps this question is about the friend group. Like I rarely, but well, we can't answer every single no, 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 possibility. No, no, no. I know. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking I'm in a bar and I talk to a woman. I don't think she thinks I'm trying to be her friend. So I, I imagine the friend, the fact that some you're guys purposely come off as, as friendly because they are so nervous to indicate uh, that they're interested in someone and so we there are there you you do need to indicate that like and so this is stage two of letting the standards piece is in there you're not just communicating oh i don't i don't like people that are rude to waiters you're also communicating and this person is really fun or funny or t t whatever it is like is playful you're like honest to god you are one of the most fun people you are super fun to hang out with i didn't think that i was going to meet someone this fun tonight all right you got to get away from me because i'm falling in love with you ha 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 but it lets them know in a playful way. And again, this is the push-pull that I did in the video with Russell Brand where you give them a compliment and then a playful release of that tension. You can check that video out. Uh, that lets them know that you're interested and it lets them know why you're interested in them. So 
We could we could go back through all of this stuff for six hours. Dating in 2020. (laughs) So that's it for this one. If you guys want to join our Patreon and ask (laughs) one of the million questions that we answered today, uh, we do answer them all eventually. Actually, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you probably didn't hear a good 18 of the questions that we just answered. So if you want to check them out, join the Patreon, any sort of level that you join, that gets you access to all of the extra questions that we answer for the patrons. uh, And it helps us to do these podcasts. Every single dime goes to Justin and we'll continue for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and some of the Patreon questions are about stoicism and how to live, and others are literally about your family, your relationships. What's nice is when you're a patron, you can just ask about your own life, Mm -hmm. and we will answer it. (laughs) Yes, about our life. We just talked about our ex-girlfriend. So that's it for this one. Take care, guys. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.